0: Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to When You Are FM, Greg Richard, joined by Scott Sharp, back with
1: us today. How are you going, Scott? Very well. It's um, pretty wild and uh, sort of woolly out there. Everything's looking a little bit uh, worse for wear yes, now that winter's it, upon us in the garden. It is. Yeah. It's, is winter June or July? No, I think it started. Oh, okay, well, it has started. Yeah, so we get June, July, August, and then we get spring in September. Yeah, how- Bring on September. (laughs) (laughs) Can we press the fast-forward button, please? What have you got lined up for us today, Scott? Well, because it is so cold and horrid, we'll talk about some winter veggies. A great winter flowering plant is the cyclone, so we'll talk about the care of that. Uh, Also, primula, looking fantastic in the garden at the moment and very easy to grow. Primula? Yes, yeah. A really cute um, little pastelly colored plant vibrant colours as well in some of them. And Scott, winter is upon us. And you've got some winter veggies for us to look at. Yeah, the the cold has settled. Uh, Great time to grow some veggies, though. I guess your watering doesn't have to be, you know, up to scratch Uh, as much as uh, it would be in summer. That doesn't mean you don't have to water your winter veggies, though. You still should. Yeah, Maybe not
0: every day or twice
1: a day. Yeah, and look, we get the rain. Also getting, uh, you know, fairly heavy uh, dews settling Mm. down on it as well. So that also helps the plants. Uh, There's not the transpiration rate. We do get the westerly winds, though, uh, and the lower humidity. So, look, you still have to monitor your watering, but, you know, that everyday watering sort of is off the cards. So some things to uh, get going at the moment, of course, are the old cabbage. Yep. I don't know where I stand on the cabbage, never the biggest fan of it. The cauliflower, though, I quite like the cauliflower. That's not too bad, yeah. yeah that's it's pretty good. Good absor- absorber of spices. Yes, and, and now you can have them as a steak as well, I've noticed, in the cafes where they must cut a big piece of it and like fry it like you're having a steak. So. I think, yeah, they cut the middle part. That's a steak. Okay, so the the, the vegan the vegan the other sides they just throw away. Okay, <laughs> the vegans and vegetarians they'll love that. Uh, look, of, of course there's uh, lettuce you can always grow through the winter, carrots, uh, broccoli, and a Brussels sprouts. Another one of my favourites, like little bliss bombs of, yep. of yumminess, uh, and uh, leeks as well. Okay, leeks. Yeah, leeks are fantastic. You can just uh, you know sort of uh, they give a lot of flavour to the food as well. Very easy to grow. Also, onions can be uh, looked after. Uh, you know, year-round as well, so you can plant them, uh, quite easy to grow in winter. Uh, look, I, I guess the other care thing with your cabbage and cauliflower especially... Uh, is they can be really susceptible to caterpillars coming in there and uh, chomping away at them, doing yeah, a lot okay. of damage. Yeah, uh, the humidity's passed now, so it, you know those fungal diseases not so uh, you know difficult to manage uh, with your cabbage and cauliflower. But it really is the uh, the white fly uh, and the caterpillars that will come in and have a crack. So you have to keep on dusting them. Unfortunately. Uh, it's just a, you know, a sort of a deris dust, it yep. used to be called. It's not really that anymore. I just keep on calling so it that. So you just do that around the soil? No, you actually do that over the leaves of the plant. Oh, okay. uh, you right. always have to make sure about the withholding period, though, that uh, if you are going to pick and eat, you uh, always read the instructions on the label to make sure that, uh, you know, for instance, if it's seven days, you pick and you, know, you can't use the dust uh, seven days before you're going to pick and eat. So right, okay. you have to be very careful. Right, of course. You like Brussels sprouts, but you don't like cabbage. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? I think because they're so, you know, sort of tight and flavoursome, there's yep. so much, you know, you know, yumminess in there, but the cabbage is just a bit, mm, yeah. we just roast them. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not a bad if you charcoal it, but I think yeah. that's the charcoaling taste that I actually like. Okay,
0: we'll just have charcoal then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got Lisa from Nelson Bay, and she wants to know why all her plants have turned yellow. This doesn't sound good. It doesn't
1: sound good at all. It's better than them turning, I don't know, purple, black. Black, yeah. (laughs) Okay, Lisa, what's happening up there in Nelson Bay?
2: Oh, look, I'm so devastated. I've I've got a variety of things that are sort of partially under cover, not necessarily away from the wind and whatever, but I've got things like those beautiful lilies that are bright red, um, almost a waxy type of lily, um, and they've been flowering forever. Um, They're starting to turn brown and, and dying off. Um, and things like impatience that I've had for a long time. They've been flowering for ages and they're doing the same thing and looking very scrawny, but at the top of the scrawniness is new growth. So I don't know whether to cut them back and cut things off. Uh, Is it a bad time to maybe repot them? And what on earth is the matter with them?
1: it's not a bad... Well, go backwards. That's probably the easiest way to do it. It's not a bad time to repot at the moment. That's not going to affect the plants uh, too much. In fact, you know, if you're disturbing the root system a little bit, it's, as we were saying before, it's not as, uh, uh, you know, sort of detrimental to the plant if you damage the root system in any way at the moment. So, yeah, look, it's okay to repot. As far as pruning goes, especially plants like Impatience, they're... A very soft, fleshy plant, so they're the sort that are really going to struggle if we start getting, you know, a frost or probably not Nelson's Bay, but uh, you know, cold winds uh, and just generally cold conditions. Because if they start to put on new growth, it's going to be very, very tender. So I'm always inclined at this time of year, uh, don't go cutting back plants because if they do, for some reason, start to uh, put on some new growth, it just gets burned back anyway. So really, it's best to leave well enough alone as far as pruning goes at this time of year. Uh, okay. Why are your plants turning yellow? This, and is it just a, a, a general all-over um, sort of jaundice of the plants, would you say?
2: Yeah, I would actually, and it's most of the plants that I have, like gardenias, um, gee, I can't think of the names of the others. There's one that, that's actually a climber, I, I really have no idea what it's called, but it's, um, it's doing the same thing. However, that one has a black spot on the yellow.
1: As well, right. Okay. Um, look, in this case, I'd be making sure your plants are watered um, properly. As we were saying, even though you know the humidity's gone, uh, it still is important to make sure things are being watered properly. Uh, is it very sandy where you are up in Nelson Bay?
2: Very much so.
1: Yeah. So look, that's another big issue up there around the bay. Uh, is that any nutrients that are in the soil uh, will just leach through very, very quickly. Uh, So that's also, you know, regular feeding is very important. Uh, Now, in your situation, I'll be doing some liquid fertilising at the moment uh, because you're going to kill two birds with one stone. You're going to water the plant and you're also going to give it a quick fire feed because they can soak up, uh, you know, the the energy that's in those liquid fertilisers very, very quickly. Uh, But then otherwise, you would also be doing some general organic fertilising, such as uh, cow manure, for instance, Uh, you know, or just some general uh, all-purpose, you know, sort of fertiliser. But a cow manure is quite good, especially if you've got plants like, for instance, gardenia that you mentioned. They do love cow manure. But I think in that first instance for you, uh, some good watering, some good liquid fertilising and uh, just, uh, you know, sort of give it a two, three weeks and uh, just wait to see what happens if you can't sort of arrest that uh, yellowing of the leaves and turning it around. The other thing, if you've got plants in pots as well, uh, then the liquid fer- fertiliser is quite safe. Uh, if you're putting it over the foliage, it can also be absorbed in through the foliage of the plant. So as mm-hmm. you can see in your sort of situation, it's just a, a really quick uh, you know, way to try and get some rubber on the road and, uh, and get those plants up and running again.
2: And not cut them back so they can start again, No,
1: No, I would leave them at the moment. Don't be cutting back. Uh, that's not something you do until mid-August now.
2: Okay, Scott. And can you give me any idea? I'm, I love pretties. I just love pretties. Is there anything that will handle... I mean, I'm facing pretty much northeast, close to the water. Um, and gosh, um, is there anything that will survive those conditions that's pretty.
1: Uh, look, that they are very, very difficult conditions. So you'll be getting some salt spray there as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So look, that that is very difficult. Uh... The gardenias that you've got, they will tolerate, uh, you know, some salt, uh, and you know they would be doing fairly well. They've got that waxy uh, leaf on them. The other plant that does very, very well is Indian hawthorn. Now you can get that in a variety of sort of shapes and sizes and colours. You get the white and the pink. You can get low-growing one. Uh, you can also get taller ones. So that will get to about, oh, you know, two metres or so. Uh, very, very tough, and will handle those conditions for you. Sounds good. Okay. So, yeah, Indian hawthorn is a a great plant for uh, salt conditions or frost conditions as well. Uh, You know, if you're up in the valley somewhere and you get uh, very hard frost, Indian hawthorn will definitely tolerate those conditions for you.
2: Thank you so much. Okay. Much appreciated. And thank
1: you for the call, Lucy. Appreciate it very much.
2: Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: -bye. We've got Bill now from Shortland, and he's looking at the best time to prune some roses.
1: Good afternoon, Bill. You've got a few roses there, have you?
0: Yes, Scott, I've got
3: three standard roses and three in pots. When's the best time to prune them and how far back do I prune them?
1: Yeah, look, the the how far back is, uh, I guess, a little bit, uh, you know, subjective and it all depends on the size of the plant that you've got. Uh, When to prune them back, we are getting into that period now. All the plants are starting to go dormant. Um, It's often, though, not a bad idea until, uh, you know, to wait until, say, late July, um, to go and prune the roses because once you've pruned a rose, generally about two to three weeks after you've pruned it, uh, you start getting uh, you know the buds coming on. You get new growth. It's very very soft. Uh, so if you do then get another cold snap, that uh, new growth will burn off and then you'll proceed to get dieback in the rose. So even though you can do it now, I would definitely be waiting until the later part of July to do that. Right. Uh, as to how much you 're going to prune off the rose, again, it really depends on how big the plant is. But the most important thing when you 're pruning a rose and a standard rose like the ones you 've described is you get a uh, almost a uh, what, uh, like a cup shape uh, uh, out yep. of it so that you keep thinning it out in the middle because you don 't want uh, branches crossing over and rubbing against each other. you want some natural air flow uh, through the middle of the plant, so you try and get that, that cup shape. Uh, and that will, uh, you know, really create, uh, you know, a really nice shape and great growth uh, in the rose. Uh, a standard rose you might bring back to, uh, you know, say the size of a, a, volleyball, uh, yes. a volleyball. A volleyball. Volleyball. I'm getting very specific <laughs> there, aren't I? A volleyball <laughs> or a basketball? How about that? Is that? Uh, that basketball yes. is bigger, isn't it? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So everyone can ever can visualise the basketball, or just slightly smaller than a basketball, and that would be a volleyball, I think. You think you'd be right there? Yeah. I, 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 I hope you I'm have right. stuck with volleyball. I should have. <laughs> let's. I'm not going to toss soccer ball into the mix either. <laughs> That'll just get way too confusing. So for a standard rose, that'd be about the size. I should bring it back to. Uh, as it's only to about
3: the size of Ken Callaway's head.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah, well, there we go. That's that's a good way. <laughs> Not that big. <laughs> yeah. It's getting bigger all the time. What's, what's, what's happening there? Uh, and for the other roses that you've got uh, in the ground, you know, the hybrid teas, you just get them back to a nice shape. But you can be pretty tough with a rose. Uh, you know, you always prune out all the old sort of uh, dead wood and uh, – but always just above the, uh, the top of a bud as well and on an angle. Uh, if you leave a gap between the bud and where you've cut, you will start to get die back in that area, so very important you do that. And then spray with uh, uh, you know, with a lime sulphur-type um, uh, spray that it will seal off the end of the wounds and get rid of all the scale. All
0: okay, right, Kevin. Thank you very much.
1: Not a problem. Good luck with it, Bill. Thank you
0: very much, Scott. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Bye. We've got Michelle from Cameron Park. And she wants to know about some water levels for a succulents. Good afternoon, Michelle. How can we help you?
4: Oh, hi there. Um, I'm making an inquiry about how much water I should be giving my succulents at this time of the year.
1: Yes, much, much less than if... Uh, it was very, very hot. Um, you can actually overwater succulent at this time of year. Uh, have you got trays or little dishes underneath yours, or Are you're just leaving them in, are they in the ground, or are they in pots? Oh no, they're
4: they're under cover and mm-hmm. um, they're open underneath so that they can the water can get away. Yes, and they get morning sun.
1: Excellent. Look, that that's fine. They will actually you know grow in semi shady conditions, but you're just going to have to be careful about how much you do water them. Uh, At the moment, how much, you know, have you been watering? Because I'd be cutting them down uh, to, you know, once every four days or so, you know, once every five days, uh, just letting them, you know, really cut back down until you see that soil has dried out. Um, You wouldn't want to go out there and stick your finger in the soil and find out that it's still moist and then water again. You'd let it actually dry out and then go give it something, let it dry out and continue on uh, doing that right through winter.
4: Oh, okay, because I've had a few people say to me, don't water them at all, and I've got a water meter, which I can stick down into the soil... And I have been letting them dry out and just giving them a light watering.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly that's exactly what I'll be doing. If you've got the special water meter, uh, it's better. Than, the finger actually does work. <laughs> when you stick it into the soil, you can feel how wet it is. But yeah, I'd be letting it dry out. I wouldn't be doing as people have suggested and not water them at all. Uh, yep. They still need water. They're they're still a plant. Uh, they're still sort of you know living and breathing there and transpiring. So. Um, yeah, what you're doing is the right thing. Um, use the old, um, the old digit or use the water meter, but definitely let them dry out. They don't want to be sitting there moist where they just keep on soaking up, uh, you know, too much water and all of a sudden the uh, little leaves, little succulent leaves start to uh, get mushy and, uh, you know, because mm. they, they can't deal with the amount of moisture in the soil. So let them dry out.
4: Okay, then. And the the cactus, what do you do with them? I, I usually just let them stay dry over winter. And I've had success with that. Is that a good thing or what?
1: Right? Look, that, that's absolutely fine. Cactus will store more water uh, and their transpiration rate slows down dramatically over winter. Uh, doesn't mean you can't give them, you know, sort of, you know, once every three or four weeks, you know, cup full or so. That's never going to harm them. Um, but you can definitely leave them, uh, you know, go right through winter if you do need to.
4: Okay, then. Well, thanks for that.
1: Okay. And thank you for the call, Michelle.
4: Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: When checking the water and soil, what's the preferred finger? Oh, look, I, this is like the uh, the volleyball, soccer ball, basketball is. question, isn't it? <laughs> the, no, I'd just be just using the uh, the, the pointer. The one. The pointer, yes, uh, not the little finger. That's too bit, little. Yeah, a bit awkward. You wouldn't haven't got the strength no, to true. get it in there. You could thumb. You could thumb down into it as well. Uh, Be careful if you're doing the cactus as well. You don't want to be... Oh, no, you don't want a little... Yeah, so you need to use the pointer for that one so you've got some precision. Otherwise, you'll have spines all through your hand. We've got Karen now from Aggress, and she's got a question about camellias. Good afternoon, Karen. How can we help you?
0: Are you there, Karen? Oh, Karen's
1: disappeared. It is a. We might hear back from Karen in a little while, but uh, look, yeah, camellias at the moment. The Sasanqua camellias uh, have all but finished flowering. There's still some flowering on them. I noticed that the japonicas, the bigger leafed and the bigger flowered plants, are really starting to bud up at the moment. So, uh, look, there are some tips about, you know, debudding your japonica camellias, just thinning them out so you don't get as much drop. But uh, Look, they're a pretty tough plant, and they look after themselves generally. Uh, The thing that uh, Camellia japonicas get mostly are the tea mite, where you start to see that greying or silvering of the leaf. Uh, Important to try and spray with a miticide to keep that under control. So we've got Dennis from Belmont, and he's looking at trimming his bottle brush. Hello, Dennis. Uh, Yeah, you want to give it a trim, do you?
5: Yeah, I want to give it a really good
1: haircut. How are you, Scott? <laughs> yeah, good, good. Look, there's, there's no harm in trimming the bottle brush at the moment and uh, trimming it pretty hard as well, I'd have to say. They're one of those plants you can almost go back, straight back down to the, uh, the ground and they'll still reshoot for you. Oh, great. But my proviso oh. is at the moment, if you give it a good old cut cutback, uh, it's going to stay pretty bare uh, for about two months or so until it starts to warm up again in August.
5: Yeah, well that's fine. It's taken the light away from the other parts of the
1: garden. Okay, so it might not be a bad time to do it then. Let some more sunlight into the garden through winter. Um, Give it a good hard cut back. It'll still come back, don't worry about that, but it will just be bare for a little while.
5: Oh, no worries. And the other thing is, um, what about citrus? I've just finished picking me mandarins and I wanted to trim it back too. Is that Appropriate time now?
1: Again, it's not going to hurt doing it at the moment, it'll just be a little bit bare. Um, I'd be more inclined though to wait till mid August and, and give you Mandarin a little uh, cut back then.
5: Okay, and if I've got time for another one?
1: Absolutely, you can fire away at us.
5: <laughs> okay, um, I've got raspberries in. Yes. And this is the first year that I haven't had any fruit off it. I've got some sort of bug um, and it's chewing the tops off every branch. I mean, totally defoliating them. Um, and I haven't been able to find out what it is. I know it's not a snail or a slug because there's no residue on yeah. climbing up there. Any idea what it would be?
1: And you haven't noticed any caterpillars lurking around?
5: No, no. They're all clean. And they seem to bypass the lower branches or leaves and go right up to the top. And then overnight, it'll eat every, every leaf right
1: off the end um, okay I, I, I wonder if it's something bigger. I wonder if it's a, a rat or a possum doing it. I stuck a pot of parsley out in the back deck um, the other week and I came back the next morning and it had completely been eaten by something uh, so I, I wonder if you know the, a rodent or uh, you know a possum might be ha- having a bit of a munch on there for you. right
5: oh, it seems to be every every one of them yeah like every branch. Or every stem that comes out of the ground yes. um, and to do it overnight and they're only thin branches and they're sort of hanging um, could it be like grasshoppers? I've found some small things but I don't see how they could chew that much
1: up in yeah that, that that's why I'm always inclined when I hear, you know, someone says, oh, you know, it's been eaten overnight and a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm always inclined to think it's going to be something, uh, you know, a little bit bigger and, and most probably warm-blooded that's uh, had a bit of a chomp on there for you, especially ah. at this time of year when they start foraging around for, uh, you know, different food sources. Yeah,
5: well, there is a possum here. I heard it last night, actually.
1: Yeah, so look, that, that might be, uh, you know, Polly the possum um, doing the trick, I'd say. Okay, yep.
5: so it's time just to chop them out, out off the ground now, isn't
1: it? Yeah, you, you could do that as well if you wanted to um, and just let them reshoot again once you get to spring.
5: Yeah, okay, okay. I'll do that. All right, thanks very much.
0: Okay, good on
1: your tennis. Uh, good luck with Polly.
0: <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> okay, cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NEWRFM. We've got time for a couple more callers and we've got Ken from Turkley. He's got a question about
1: pruning patients. Afternoon, Ken. How can we help you?
3: Yes, yeah, uh, sorry, I've the radio down. Uh, look, I've got the New Guinean patients and I've had absolutely, uh, you know, years of uh, beautiful flowers. I'm about to move. Is it safe to trans- plant those for, in pots for uh, uh, probably four months?
1: Oh, look, absolutely, Ken. Uh, very transplantable plant, Um you can just uh, yeah dig them out. They haven't got a huge root system. Uh, you can give them a light prune back if you need to to get them into the pots and then just keep on watering them. Lots and lots of water and they will transplant very, very well for you.
3: Oh, right, because then just keep them in a in a reasonable size pot and just add moisture, yeah. Yeah, no, look, uh, you can even yes. put
1: a little saucer underneath as well just to keep the, the moisture soaking up. Um, look, obviously, if you are going to move them around... Uh, you know, once you get them to the new place, the new place uh, just uh, keep them in a nice, protected position. They don't like the uh, the winds and the cold, so uh, you know, under a veranda or you know some sort of you know shade house or somewhere where yep. you can protect them from the uh, the cold settling yep. and also the winds.
3: Fair enough, good. Yeah, that's I've got about, about the, the whole front of the house was uh, New Guinean patient, and, and then, then it's uh, basic. But you know, they've, they've been flowering, you know, twelve months of the year. They they do die down a little bit in uh, in in uh, winter, yeah. And we only prune them back down to around about oh, only um, um, say six or eight inches high, and all the new growth comes in
1: underneath then. Look, And the uh, other thing you can do is take cuttings. Probably not the best time of year to do that. So if you're going to do some transplanting, uh, that is a good time. So, uh, yeah, otherwise, if it was in, uh, you know, spring and summer, you would actually take some cuttings and strike them from that. But, uh, yeah, dig them out, and they will be fine for you. They'll be fine. Excellent. Okay. Good on you, Ken. Enjoy the move. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. We've got Brian now from Badal Bay, and he's got a question about Chinese tallow. If there's any poison parts. Yes. Hello, Brian. Uh, you're concerned about your old sapium, are you? Uh,
3: yeah. Um, I understand that everything on the tiny tallow is poisonous. Um, is that true? I've been putting, raking the leaves up and putting them in the, the garbage bin, and it seems such a shame. Can I compost
1: them? Oh, look, there's there's no reason why you couldn't compost them. I think what people worry about mostly with the uh, the Chinese tallow wood is the the sap in there, and it can be irritating to the skin. Um, right. But look, mind you, any plant um, you can have some sort of irritational quality about it. So uh, some more so than others. Uh, so you do always have to be careful with the the sap of plants. But yeah, look, there's no worry about composting those leaves on the plant. Um, are they
3: poisonous
1: you know well not once they've composted away like that that will no. uh, the heat it will actually fix all of that up so don't be concerned about that and it's only once a year as well so it's not That's like right. you're going to be overly uh, you know loading your garden up with anything in particular again just be more uh, mindful of the sap of your uh, Chinese tallow wood in that it can uh, you know ir- yeah, irritate yeah. the skin if it gets on there
5: any
3: pruning yes yes okay. but look
1: they are a plant that uh, can be uh, pruned very, very heavily if needs be. Um, but uh, I always say with Chinese tallows, though, if you are going to plant them, uh, you know they can get into a you know a largest medium-growing tree. Yeah, uh, this one is. Yeah, but as you probably noticed, the root system can be quite damaging. <laughs> it and it and it's, can, it <laughs> the
3: path, yeah.
1: Yes, it stays above the, the surface for a while and can wreck up paths and things before they sort of dip down under the ground. So if you are going to put one in, uh, a quick-growing, lovely tree with the, the autumn colour, uh, but they can be damaging uh, to uh, you know paths and structures. So make sure you've got plenty of space around them.
3: Okay, thanks, Scott. It's love your program. You're a lot of help.
1: Okay, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Have a good afternoon, mate.
3: Yeah, bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Brian. Well, that is a wrap for
0: Gardening Talk, back for another week. Scott Sharp, thanks for coming in. At least not a wrap over the knuckles. That's, that's well, the main no, no, not a wrap over the knuckles. <laughs> no. We want you to come back in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> so Judy Sharp's back next week, isn't she?
1: Uh, I think we might have a long weekend next Well, that's right, Yes. Yes, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah, take two weeks off.
1: Holiday time. <laughs>